Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McCoco. Welcome into From the Pink Seats Podcast. Jacob Lane, Vince McCoco, no Matt McGavin tonight, uh, but we have got uh, more Louisville football to talk about as we are inching closer and closer. It is on my calendar in the refrigerator, and that's like my Bible, right? For all of my my husband's <laughs> Um, who need a calendar to keep them straight. I know you you fellas know what I'm talking about, making that calendar up to date. Uh, I was just itching to get September 1st on there. It's now on the calendar. So ladies and gentlemen, it is football I, season. Vince, I, how are you, buddy? I, I came home from golf, I think, and my calendar, my football calendar was handwritten on a notebook sheet of paper by Emerson. She had the whole thing written out, ready to go. Home games were like highlighted with like a heart or something like that. Yeah. I guess she's excited for those. I mean, as she should be with new head coach, exciting football, new beer, very exciting. So that, that's right, right, that's right. And then you got Malik balling in the NFL. These are just a number of things we're going to get into tonight uh, on the podcast. Pa- who had Pat McAfee becoming Malik Cunningham's hype man? I mean, what what a twenty twenty three man! It just <laughs> continues to be all about the football. But we've got a special guest. We are not alone tonight, as I mentioned. No, Matt McGavick. Uh, so Vince and I are folding things down here on from the Pink Seats podcast. But we're joined by our good friend whose voice you have heard on the show before. You have to go back in time a little bit. And John, I don't know if you remember this, but years ago we did these things called the Freakies. And it was our version of the Dundies uh, here on From the Pink Seeds podcast. And John filled in and did a great job. uh, uh, One of our award presenters, that is John Powell, a.k.a. Cardinal Strong. You know him from the 100-day countdown on Card Chronicle. And now the critically acclaimed best football series competing with Vince's Game Notes. Uh, the two the two minute series there on Card Chronicle, fantastic work, John. Welcome into from the Pink Seats podcast for the first time. How are you, my friend? Hey, doing well. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Glad to uh, finally jump in and be a part of something that I've been listening to for hundred plus episodes now. Right, guys, you're over the hundred. We are over the hundred. We thank you for that. You're one <laughs> of like awesome. five That's listeners. Cool here. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like it's like my mom, Vince, your dad, all J Town, and then yes, John. Yeah. So you know, uh, it's great that uh, that we can finally get you on the show. We this is yeah. definitely one we've tried to to plan in the past, but we're well, here we are now, and it it comes at a perfect time, John, because football is just like right around the corner. But what was today? Like, I, I know we're, what, 14, 15 days out. Who was the player today? What was the number? Give me a little bit of the rundown just for the folks who are maybe a couple days behind on the countdown. Yeah, you picked a good day to pull me in. It's, it's day 16. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, there's a there's a little guy named Johnny U who's got his number retired, number <laughs> 16. So uh, the, the uh, coverage today was actually one of the uh, Cardinal classics, if you will. We, we hit on Johnny U and, and what he's done for the university uh, here on day 16. And if you don't mind, I'm going to nerd out for one second. Uh, I mean, today is, 
are you familiar with like golden birthdays where it's like you turn 13 on the 13th or like you turn 30 on the 30th? Yes. Or... Yeah. Uh huh. Today is today the 16th on the 16th and uh -huh. it doesn't happen every year. It only happens in special occasions. Cause you got to think it's got to be under 30 days at all for it to have an opportunity. Right. And then, uh, just the way we're going in the opposite directions, right? The numbers on the calendar are going up and we're going down. So it's like you're, uh, you're, you're going ghostbusters, right? You're trying to cross the streams at the same time here, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a cool day for those who, who nerd out about that kind of stuff. So I think everybody, I mean, even the guys in the locker room nerd out about those articles, to be honest with you, especially the tweet. I was always intrigued to find which tweet you pulled, I'm like, man, what am I going to yeah, tweet? Hold on. So, I, thought, I mean, that's like a thought process that went through my head yearly. Vince is the only one on our show to ever be featured in the Cardinal countdown. We have, unfortunately, <laughs> I never got my, I never got the call from Bobby or from Sat to come on and put the jersey and Lord have no, Matt, man, I don't think we could find a helmet big enough to fit his head. Uh, but Vince was in the countdown, that mugshot of Vince that's like full <laughs> yeah. neck beard right. his head is like in the shirt like to where there is no neck but do you remember seeing yourself for the first time in that countdown Vince like I mean I know you just oh yeah I thought it was cool as shit and I mean I, I you sit there and you're like man what is he gonna write about a walk-on like four-string linebacker and it's always you know so respectful so I mean it's cool to read it's cool to see how much you care about just every single player on the roster and i mean shit my, me and my dad would text every time like oh day 38 or day 52 whichever number i was that year i mean <laughs> every single time and i mean everybody loves it it's a walk-on's dream to have an article written about them oh um, yeah for sure you get one a year you get one a year and this is a guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome man i appreciate that and uh yeah they i, I gave a little i got a little crap for some people this year they said i was mailing it in a little bit because i'm doing the uh the card version of the uh, countdown rather than the, the full blown articles. But um, I may be saving my marriage in the process of doing that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, <laughs> I always wondered, you know, how, how you would publish a hundred articles in a hundred days and we don't need to know how the sausage is made, but you yeah. must know. And I know you have probably ran into people in the grocery store or talked to people at your at your work or friends who are like, man, this is incredible content. But it truly is something that the the time investment, I think every fan kind of understand what goes into it. But every fan loves it. I mean, it really is a tradition that has become a part of leading up to the, the beginning of the season. It's it's really cool, man. You've, you've found your niche. Congratulations. I appreciate it. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Mike over at Card Chronicle jokes all the time about being internet old and like, Hey, eventually like your time runs out and it's like, you're not, you're not relevant anymore, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, so yeah, to find a little spot that, you know, seems to bring some joy each day, whether you actually click on the thing or not, like you said, there's a lot of people that know, like, Oh, I know today's 57 days until we start this thing, right? Uh, just because I see it. You and know, that's the best week. part is I know football season is right there. It's right. I can, like, taste it. As soon as I start seeing the countdown, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I know Jacob's about to start texting me, like, six times a day about <laughs> XYZ plan we're probably not going to do. We might do. And, you know, we're going to start freaking going. And oh, it just gets my juices flowing every time. Whenever UofL gets eliminated from March Madness, I take, like, two weeks off, and then I just, like, jump in and start – trying to get a head start on it uh, about a month or so, month and a half or so in advance. 
uh, unfortunately, I've got a pretty early head start these last few years. Not yeah. a lot going on yeah. in March. You, know? <laughs> that whole, you can get everything written, all 100 days written before the, the beginning of football season with the amount of time basketball gives you. Last thing I'll say on this, and I, I joke with Mike, um, I've told him on numerous occasions that, you know, he was the one that I kind of looked up to when I was in high school in terms of like sports content. And I remember very vividly being in high school and college reading the Cardinal countdown. And I am a nerd, man. I have years and years of logs of stats of NBA transactions. Like I am, I'm a weirdo. Okay. I will admit it. But when I was in college, I used to follow your countdown and create the roster in real time in a word document, like no, for no reason. I probably never looked at it again, but it was just a way for me to learn the players, uh, you know, really kind of understand where we were and how many days out. And it became a, a habit for many of years until I got old. And I was like, what the hell am I doing, man? Why? I still keep stats <laughs> for a lot of things, but I, I just always, I always admired the the countdown and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably one of thousands and thousands of people who have told you that. Uh, so anyways, Enough, enough of this, uh, but let, let's talk about Malik Cunningham before we talk about Jeff Brom and Louisville football. Uh, again, the season approaching 16 days away as we record this on Wednesday, August the 16th. Uh, but Malik Cunningham, as we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show, uh, and if you haven't uh, subscribed to the show, be sure to do that from the Pink Seats podcast, anywhere that you get your podcast from, also on YouTube at the State of Louisville. Um, it, 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 let's talk about, though, with Malik Really interesting dynamics last year with him. If you go back, you remember the Syracuse game of uh, stat and them really forcing him to stay in the pocket. He didn't look like himself for the rest of the year for, you know, because of injuries and just different situations at the wide receiver and the lack of an explosive post passing game. Malik really had to carry the load uh, as a runner and, and really shine doing so. But, you know, Vince, if you remember, we would come on here and even though Louisville was winning and Malik was making the plays in a lot of ways to win those games, we would, you know, it was a, a bad ball that was thrown behind Marshawn Ford that would have been, you know, potentially a game saving first down or a touchdown, whatever the case is, or, you know, just these different opportunities where you have a six year quarter, six year quarterback, looking to be on NFL radars, never could make that step. And so throughout the offseason, John, I don't know if you felt this way, but it didn't seem like Malik was going to get drafted. There was going to be much of a shot. He signs that contract with New England, and you're like, okay, right? Bill Belichick has done this with Julian Edelman. He's done this with a number of players. He's made weapons out of out of these guys that completely overlooked. And here we are. Malik shines as a quarterback, as a wide receiver. He's a weapon for the Patriots. He's wearing number 84, then he's wearing 16. It's just this just really cool situation. So for you guys, what's it like? Has it been weird, like surreal, Vince? I can start with you since you know Malik, watching him play for the Patriots. I mean, I know you're not surprised, but it's just still got to be cool to see him ball like this so it's early in preseason. I mean, I mean, Jacob, I honestly am a little surprised. I thought he was going to be, you know, smooth transitioned over to wide receiver. Uh, it seemed like, in my opinion, if as long as Malik could catch the ball, like we all know he can make noise with the ball in his hands. So it's kind of, you know, how are you going to get him the ball at that point? Uh, seeing the improvement in his passing game was really cool. And just reading the article, articles that, you know, his dad's tweeted out and some Patriot ones, I mean – a little bit more consistency passing, which is great to see. And obviously they're in love with him running the ball and all the comparisons to Lamar Jackson. I mean, what they, what they failed to leave out is how long he was there a lot, a lot of the times, which is okay in my opinion, because it makes us look good, <laughs> but uh, it's great. I'm really happy for him. And you know, he's got that guaranteed money. Uh, so it's good to see he's still striving and working to try and make the roster and make more money on top of that. 
Yeah, I mean, we can all probably agree that if he doesn't make the Patriots, we know what team is going to be ready to swoop him up off of the waiver wire. And I think all Louisville fans would just be over That was my game plan the whole time. Just trade Tyler Huntley, the backup for the Ravens, you know, and sign Malik as undrafted free agent. Because, I mean, Tyler Huntley had a lot of trade value, in my opinion, at the end of the season last year. Yeah, there's a goofy argument of should Tyler Huntley be the starter? I mean, it was like, remember when they used to say there was the, the Facebook groups that would be like, oh, you should put – Lamar at running back and put Jawan pass in at quarterback. It's like the same thing here all over again. These people were not at practice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's so funny though to see to see that. And I, I don't get me wrong, I would love to see Malik play in Baltimore. But uh, you know, I, I I think it's cool to see Bill Belichick. I mean, he's got like Bill Belichick has like a year left to prove that he can do something before everyone's like, all right, man, it was Tom Brady all along. We knew it. Now we've really got to admit it. But uh, Malik is now, you know, getting Pat McAfee on board. They, but they called him Cheeks. Did you see? Did you all see that? <laughs> Pat McAfee said that everyone in his comments was calling Malik Cunningham Cheeks. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously, those are probably UK fans. But anyways, really cool to see. John, how much do you follow the NFL? Are you big like fantasy football guy? You sit on your couch all day on Sundays and watch the, the red zone. Like how how do you consume the NFL, if at all? Yeah, I used to be a, a much bigger NFL guy pre-kids, right? <laughs> I have three kids now, and so it's uh, it's kind of like, hey, uh, you know, asking my wife if it's okay to sit on the couch all day Saturday and Sunday during football season. It doesn't really go over that well often. So <laughs> if, if given the choice, uh, I'm, I'm leaning college, you know, every time. Uh, but, but I grew up a Bears fan. I've been a Bears fan my whole life, so I, I, I follow them. Uh, pretty closely um, but uh, yeah I think I'm like every other you know male between the ages of 16 and you know 65 I'm in a couple fantasy leagues as well <laughs> yeah we're getting getting extremely close to fantasy football season where Matt is going to come on here and talk about his teams that no one's going to care about like we all know it's like a, a yearly tradition here on our show uh, but we'll Reds a little bit or yeah <laughs> Yeah, who knows, man? You got Matt writing an article mid mid podcast, watching a yeah. Reds game, watching right. the Celtics. You just never know what what sports content Matt is consuming. Playing Call of Duty, I've seen it all over the four years uh, of being Matt's co host. Uh, but yeah, I mean, de- definitely going to get a little bit of all of that. And, and uh, at the end of this, you know, the question. Uh, it comes down to will anybody draft Malik Cunningham in their fantasy leagues? I think there will be some Louisville fans who probably do. I won't. Don't you won't catch me doing that, but maybe though, right? I wasted I mean, my last pick on Tutu last year. That might not be a bad pick this year, man. I mean, this the Rams year, not. It's make or break year for Tutu, to be honest with you, right? I mean, year three he hasn't really done much. Um, just kind of going around the horn here. I, I did not anticipate doing this, but you got Dez in Pittsburgh. Didn't you see had a sack the other day as well, which was Yassir, awesome. Yeah, you see had the not sack. really surprising by any means. No, it took about two plays uh, yeah. for him to get a sack. Um, and I think I mean, when you talk about Louisville players commanding attention, he's the other one that has just been like, an, I mean, in Yaya Diaby even. Fuck, I mean, Cottrell Clark, all of those guys that got drafted have made plays in the preseason so far. It's really cool to see. And we all know that Scott Satterfield has the creative team at Cincinnati just waiting to make graphics about all of those players, uh, <laughs> pretending 
that they play for Cincinnati in order to gain more recruiting ground. Um, anyways, that, that's another topic for that. That graphic's day. already made, Jacob. They, that's right. They own right. recruits. They just haven't tweeted it out yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's switch over and talk about uh, the University of Louisville football. And that's uh, what we jo- brought John on here to do. And, and as you guys know, what we do here is dive into the X's and O's and really talk about um, the nerdy details of football. And, and that's one of the things like, as I think about football season and like I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, I'm like, man, I can't wait to see what it looks like when Jeff Brom goes empty. You know, I can't wait to see what defensively what they do on a third down and and 17 when it's just in the house. Like I, I find myself right now being so desperate for the nuances of Jeff Brom's system and not knowing that it makes me so excited to come on here and talk about it. And John, specifically to starting with the offense, we got a lot to talk about defensively with MJ Griffin's injury. But you've been doing this this series this offseason, which has been incredible. Uh, again, rivaling that of Vincent Lacoco's uh, Vince's game notes, which I still it's better. Believe it's in. better. Yeah. You can just admit it. <laughs> uh, but you've do- you dove into a lot of concepts, and when we talked about Jeff Brom the last couple of weeks, we've we've talked about his tendencies at Purdue and how he really kind of really leaned into the the passing offense, which of course is his specialty. But we talk about Jeff Brom back to Western Kentucky and that run game and what they can do. And so I want to start with that. Um, what did you find when you went through, you know, your series of plays and when you were diving into the offense from the run game perspective that stood out to you? Was there anything that you saw that you say, okay, he can work with the run? Like he didn't have the backs at Purdue, but he has the backs at Louisville to do what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, I won't bore the, the audience with my background story, but I'll give you a little bit of peek into the behind the curtain, if you will. So I I actually went to school at Purdue, so I'm a Purdue graduate. Um, and so I've attended quite a few Purdue football games and watched pretty much every uh, more Purdue football than I care to admit over the last 20 years, probably. <laughs> uh, but that included the last – six years of under Brom, right? And so watching a lot of that football and uh, not only as a as a Louisville fan observing uh, what Brom was doing, but as a as an alumni as well. So um, in in reviewing that, you know, going back and kind of rewatching some of the stuff that I'd already seen, I mean, I think the his ability to utilize a running back is a little undervalued. I mean, I think we saw last year what he was able to do with Maccabee and, and some other guys previously and and you know, it's not uh, like rocket science to say like, uh, you know, hey, if you if you just start trying to threaten people over and over and over again with the passing game, eventually you're going to get people, you know, creeping back off the line a little bit, playing a little bit safer. And then it just opens up holes. It gives opportunities for a back um, to make plays, uh, whether they're uh, all conference level back or a walk on, you know, and so. I think coming into this year, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for a talented guy like Jordan um, and Turner and Isaac and all the rest of the guys back there to really take advantage of some of the opportunities of uh, defenses, you know, relying heavily on, oh, what, what's Braun going to do with the fake flea flickers? And I've got to, you know, get a bunch of safeties out here, guys playing nickel, that you know, uh, and, and next thing you know, we got, you know, we're picking up eight, nine yards pretty easily off the ground game. So. Do you think there'd be a situation where uh, Jeff may rely a little bit more heavy on Jawar and Maurice and Isaac in that run game because he knows he has that stable of guys and he could get that easy six to eight and then, you know, 
figure it out after that. You know, second and whatever, second and four is a lot easier to work with than second and eight, nine, ten. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you guys have even talked about it on here as well. But I mean, there was definitely times where it was like he was being a little stubborn with the passing game, right? Where it was like, <laughs> all right, man, this is like this is textbook run scenario, right? Like you give the man the ball up the middle, or you know, even run him out on the edge or whatever. And it's like, nah, I think I'll drop back, you know. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm hoping he understands what he has back there. And look, this is my opinion, like, you know, but what he's saying and what the staff's saying, I mean, it seems like they're pretty impressed with what they've got in the room. And so um, I hope he's a little bit more reliant upon those guys to to actually make plays and, and, you know, help the offense move versus just like, okay, you know, let me, let me give these guys a run every once in a while. And, and, uh, you know, appease them to some degree, and then and then let me get back to throwing twelve straight times in a row. You know? So watch watching all that Purdue football over the years, and specifically the past however many years with uh, Coach Brom, yeah. uh, he loves to utilize the tight end. For us at Louisville, we just lost Marshawn, and this has been a big topic for us on the show: is who's going to be that tight end, who's going to be that guy, and. Uh, John, I was wondering if you had any, any suggestions or names or guys to throw out there. You know, maybe you have a transfer portal guy we can swing over here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, I don't know. I watched the spring game just like you did. I saw what they were doing with Lifson, right, which is encouraging. Like, it's one of those where, um, I mean, it's a little bit like the Brom offense where it's just like, and I cover a little bit in some of the two-minute plays things, but it's like, look, at we're we're scheming up some stuff. That if you can catch a football, I'm going to give you space to yeah. catch a football, right? And so, uh, even if you're not, you know, a stud, you don't have to be Travis Kelsey. I'm just going to give you some space here, make a catch, turn up field, and don't fumble, right? And, you know, we're, we're going to try to pick it's up. A, it's a good thing Isaac Martin graduated last year. <laughs> <laughs> when catching strays on a Wednesday out here? <laughs> I mean, he knows. He he knows what it is. I mean, he's he's a bruiser of a guy. He just. We talk about it all the time. You can't catch, you can't run. It's all right. <laughs> but I, I, I like um, – I mean, I think Lifson's fine. I, I was kind of sneaky on uh, uh, Kariski, I, I think yeah. it is. I hope I'm not pronouncing that right. But he was recruited by Purdue as well back in the day. And so that's something to, I guess, kind of keep an eye on as the season develops. Uh, I don't know much about uh, Gatewood, just other than what I've heard coming out of, like, fall camp and stuff like that. He's uh, the one that's interesting to me. And Jacob, I don't know if you've seen much on Joey this year, like write-ups and things like that. I know Matt sent stuff, little snippets of like if he can just get the playbook down, something along the lines of that. I'm, I'm not really. Have you seen anything on him? Yeah, I mean, I think what you what you have is you have you know four guys who are going to do four completely different things, right? And when you look at a guy like Jamari Johnson, I mean, he's just a massive freak of nature, right? And so you're going to put them out him out there in, in different situations than what you would put Joey Gatewood in. But with Joey Gatewood, right, he's an athlete. He played wide receiver. Um, he's played quarterback in the past. So it offers you a variety of different things that you can do. Now, are you going to run on his side uh, when you are in a short yarded situation and you need somebody to go behind? No, probably not. Like, that's not what he's going to do, right? That's probably going to be Josh Lifson. It's probably going to be a Dwayne Martin. Um, but if you need somebody that you can get the ball out to, pick up a couple of yards, 
I mean, you just you just never know. Uh, but I, I'm I'm with you, John. Like the more and more throughout the offseason, the, uh, the fall camp, like Nate Kariski is the guy that's sneaky for me because pointed this out a few weeks ago. He's the lone player on the roster that I know of that had a Purdue uh, offer outside. Well, I sh- outside of like the new commits that came in, the only holdover from Louisville that had a Purdue offer. Uh, and he is a guy that is built like what they have had at Purdue, right? If you look back at Bryson Hopkins, if you look at Payne Durham, if you look at those guys, like they're 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". They're 250, 245. They can run. They can block. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's like going to set the world on fire. But if he comes out and he starts day one, I think he's a weapon that they can put the ball in his hands. He he showed that in high school. Um, and Satterfield and them recruited him to come here and be their pass catching tight end. He wasn't coming here to to be in that blocking role. Um, but I, I do think, though, you do you do have to find someone who consistently can get open. And like you mentioned, John, and we'll talk a little bit about this in like the mesh concept and some of the trick plays where they use that tight end. Uh, in a fake blocking scenario or where they have them running and kind of dictating based off of what the defense does, uh, where the quarterback might go. And so, well, well, let's dive into that, right? So with route running with tight ends, right? A lot of what Jeff Brom does is use his tight end one in open parts of the field where he can just dink and dunk. Like that's really, really good offense. It's pretty consistent if you have a tight end who can get open. Uh, but he also does a variety of other things. What did you find in terms of the route concepts and some of these where he's utilizing the tight ends as a way to scheme open other guys? Did you see any of that? Because it's kind of one of those things that they talked about him being really good at, uh, especially when he has a quarterback who can read the field. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of that for sure. I mean, the utilization of the tight end is, I mean, they've got, uh, if you're looking at a standard offense, a lot of times they're, uh, you know, route tree or whatever is a little bit more restricted than you would say a typical wideout. But in watching them play, I mean, it seems like they're wide open. Like they can go wherever they want on the field. He tries to utilize them in the short game. Uh, he's not afraid. There was quite a few times last year they hit Payne Durham up the seam for, you know, 30 yards downfield. You know, just let him, let him run loose. Um, and so he also – I think there's a couple of these I covered already. I, it's hard to remember. <laughs> I haven't watched so many plays and trying to pick out which ones to kind of highlight. But, um, I mean, he's not afraid to use them in in trick plays and things like that either, right? I mean, not only as, like, uh, you know, part of the deception, but but the main target at the end, right? Of the world, right? You know, so it's – I think, once again, he I think he can make it work with – whoever they identify as that guy. Um, but that guy, you know, is going to have a lot of responsibility on him. It's part of that transition uh, from a traditional tight end role to what he's going to ask of them, you know, in this offense. Um, and and like you said, I, I, I'm hoping, I think most fans are hoping that a year from now, it's like we're not even having this discussion and and Johnson's the dude and, and like we're all happy and he's, you know, yes, six five two yes, fifty exactly. out there running over yep. people, and he's got <laughs> Big Johnson nil deals and all this stuff going yep, on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, that's where I hope we're at, but I don't think we're there today, and so that's why it's an important topic to just try to figure out like who's going to be that guy consistently early in the year uh, that they can go to uh, to get a big play when they need it out of that position. Um, 
Let's talk about that mustache, man. I saw that thing on on the the U of L football kickoff luncheon, and Vince, man, I think you 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 inspired him to keep that thing. I, hope I did, my friend, man. That is a that is a mustache if I have ever seen one. That thing. I is... told him it. I told him it looked good. I mean, if you're gonna go with it, like quarterbacks are the ones that can like really make it look, you know, like good. You get the whole Top Gun thing going with the video. I mean, it's just. It's lights out. It looked good. And I mean, if he comes out there against Georgia Tech and throws for like 350, four touchdowns, and Louisville wins by 27, and they're interviewing him after the game, that mustache is going to be dripping with like sweat to the point where it is glistening. And it is only a matter of time before he's got national NIL deals because of the mustache. A smart play on his part. Uh, But one of the things that's really interesting, John, that we've talked about for a while and continues to be until we see Jack Plummer out on the field, kind of a conversation point, and that's what is he uh, as far as a quarterback, right? He At Purdue, he was in and out with quarterback competitions, and you know, I, I, I've been kind of critical, and I want to make sure I highlight, like, the dude still put up numbers, right? Like, he still threw for a lot of touchdowns. He, you know, it wasn't like he was throwing the ball down the field, and it's really more of the receivers making plays. But Jack Plummer put up numbers uh, in Purdue, but was never able to kind of get over the hump. Went to California, played well, but was in a system and a, a team that was just not good. And so now he comes to Louisville and, and national media, the ACC media, kind of torn on what Louisville is because they don't know who he is. Matt thinks that he could have a Kenny Pickett type of year. Vince thinks he might be Joe Burrow. We've we've seen it all over the place, man. That so they like, come out of my mouth, John. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard that. I remember. That. He's probably like you know the blinking emo- the blinking eye gif of just like. Uh, but what is swerving to the road when he heard that one? <laughs> can in your opinion, can Louisville? win games because of Jack Plummer? Like, do you feel confident that Louisville is going to have, you know, two, three games where Jack goes for 300 yards and he's throwing, you know, the game-winning touchdown, or you can go back and point out four or five throws that really set the the trend of Louisville going in the right direction? Like, do you feel like he can do that, or are you sensing more of just a game manager and really relying on the studs around him to carry the team overall? I mean, I think he can. I'm trying to be – fair by the guy, but going back to my previous comment, I watched 2019-2020 Purdue. They were bad football teams. I mean, they, and it's not all on him. I'm not I'm not, not putting that all on him, but there was some things. I mean, when they brought him in, I was, I mean, you can go back. I think I tweeted about it a little bit. I was like, uh, maybe he wins the starting job. You know, I mean, that's kind of what my opinion was at the time when, when he came in as a transfer, but I think Brom brought him in with uh, I mean, they can beat around the bush all they want, but I think I, he was coming in to be QB one. I mean, that was the intention the, the entire time. I, I think my only hesitation, uh, just because I do kind of dig deeper into the stats and I know stats only tell half the story and, and you know, you, you have to actually watch the games and, and kind of see what's going on and what, what was the the goal of the, the whole team, kind of where they were at, what was, what was happening. But my concern is, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about like preseason uh, projections and I think even you guys have already covered some like, hey, how do we think the season's going to start and stuff like that. I mean, if we come out four and one, you know, five and oh, whatever, and we're heading into a Notre Dame game at home and stuff. He's, he's been around a lot. He's played a lot of football. He's put up some great numbers. He's not been in those kind of situations. I mean, he's not been in a situation where like I'm I'm leading 
a conference championship caliber football team here, right? I mean, he's coming off of a 2019 and 2020 season at Purdue, which was just not great. Uh, 2021, they were uh, relatively uh, respectable. Uh, and he started a few games there. And then Cal last year, you know, they won four games. And so there was, I think I went back and looked um, over the course of those four years. I think there was only nine games throughout his career to this point where he had entered the game and his team was, had a winning record at that point. Um, and in those games, he was like four and five or something. Right. Wow. And so that doesn't factor in like competition and, you know, who they were playing and all that. So, so once again, try to be fair about the guy, but I just, I'm curious how he's going to respond if, if some of these expectations start to come to fruition of like, Hey, they're playing really good football. They're beating up on some teams they should beat up on. And now we're getting into that middle part of the season where, you know, we're, we're kind of at equal level of talent with some of these teams. And, and you really need a, a guy that's not a, like you've termed it, you know, a game manager, but somebody to actually go out there and lead this team to victory, um, especially over a team like Duke, who I know Vince loves. Oh, uh, my God. Don't even get me started, John. Don't even get me started. <laughs> hey, man, Eric McLean put out another top five ranking. Defensive I don't lineman. care. Me and Emac Duke's might, number like, two, man. I me and Emac might man, have the first is, virtual fist fight This is good. This is great, right? For our audience who have been listeners, Eric McLean from the ACC Network has been on the show twice now. He'll make his third appearance next week, and he will be coming to us live from Duke on campus Duke Day on the ACC Network. Oh, yeah. you I'm going to tell him to, written... to put me on speaker out the window just so I can yell at, yell at all of them. The, you couldn't have wrote the script any better. Like, it's oh. just perfect. It is amazing, and we can't wait for the content that will come from that. But, no, it, it's, it's, it's just really funny to see. And, um, you know, in those games where he goes in four and five record where they're a winning team, I, you know, I, I don't want, I haven't watched any Purdue football outside of three games from last year where I've like, just like, all right, I need to see the basics and then a little bit of highlights. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, when you take in the factor of the weapons around him at Louisville, he's in his what fifth season of college football. He's on his third school. Uh, he is the guy there's really not, you know, talk about with Malik didn't really deal with a backup. Uh, quarterback competition thing. I mean, we're kind of back in that same spot, right? I mean, there is no true guy that you can go to that you're equally as confident about. I mean, Brock Domi, don't get me wrong, really good quarterback, really happy if he goes in, you feel like you can win, but he's not somebody that's going to push for starting role this season. And even Pierce Clarkson, you know, it's a guy that needs it some time. So you just wonder, right? Does all of this factor into this storm that's perfect storm for Jack to capture lightning in a bottle uh, and have this breakout senior season. And when you look at him from a stature standpoint, from a skill set standpoint, I mean, he's got the tools to be an NFL guy, but we need to see some of that deep ball, being able to hit guys down the middle, being able to just unleash it and make the throw. Um, and that's what we're all waiting to see, right? So perfect segue into the mesh concept. Uh, and I want to talk about this, right? Explain the mesh concept. The mesh concept for, for Louisville fans has been, um, in the past, talking more about like the mesh point and a handoff, not really the mesh concept <laughs> and a route running route tree. What is the mesh concept and what does that mean for Jack Plummer as a quarterback when looking for Jamari Thrash, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Kevin Coleman, Chris Bell, you know, all these weapons that are now at his disposal? Yeah, I mean, the simplified version, I mean, Vince could probably tell you play calls that actually involve it. You know, I'm not going to go to that level, but I mean, the simplified version is look, we're trying to get to 
receivers or a tight end or whatever uh, crossing the field in a similar area where, you know, we've seen it numerous times. You can get maybe a, a you know, a little rub on one guy in the middle or you, you get a bump on him. Uh, incidentally, of course, not on purpose. No, never, uh, never. Not setting picks <laughs> here, right? No. Yeah. Uh, but but the goal is to try to get the defense confused to say like all right we got you know two guys in the same area they're going opposite directions where am I going which way am I trying to cover right and and ideally your quarterback can sit back there and watch one of the outside backers or if it's a corner or a nickel or whoever and and very quickly make a determination of like okay this dude's going to be open in about you know two seconds and I'm, I'm going to get ready to throw him the ball uh, before the play even you know opens up so I mean, ideally, uh, I saw it a good amount. I mean, Brom uses it quite a bit, even when he doesn't use it in the play, right, which is helpful, which is always like it's the, you know, playing uh, checkers instead of chess kind of thing, right, where you'll see some of that mesh, you know, pretty close up to the line of scrimmage, and he's like, oh, never mind, I'm going to throw it 25 yards downfield to Charlie Jones, you know, or whatever. So it's like you're trying to set the defense up to think they know what's going to happen, uh, repeatedly and over and over, but but then uh, take advantage of those play calls to to utilize somebody else on the field. I'd say my favorite thing about uh, the mesh concept and Jacob, we did have it in Satterfield's offense. We just didn't run it a lot mm-hmm. at all. But the thing that I love with the mesh is the decision on the wide receiver and the capability the that the receiver has to either continue on with that route or to be able to stop that route and that's where the communication in the summer and the workouts come with the quarterback and uh you know say that corner the wide receiver is coming across the field the corner sinks back you know the wide receiver knows and he's looking at him he's looking at that corner running he's already hit his landmark and he's already picked his linebacker now he's got to make the decision if i'm going to sit or if i'm going to keep this route running and you know that's where if they're sitting usually they'll just go ahead and sit and if they're you know going to keep it running brewer always told us uh if you're looking you're booking so if you're looking at the quarterback that means throw me the damn ball like throw me the ball now and if the quarterback does not throw the ball now you're getting fucked up like somebody is getting their teeth not that's when you see like the ray lewis dude get his teeth knocked in feet go up in the air it's ugly mesh concepts pretty and jacob and uh john like you were saying the the deep route behind it a lot of times you're gonna have something you know, to take the top off of any route, you obviously want a home run ball every time. So, you know, just the capability of being able to take the top off and that, you know, it's huge. So I I love the mesh concept. And we got the weapons. I mean, you got four receivers with speed, three guys really that pop that you could throw in there. And then it's really what you do after the catch. Like when you sit the, when you, when you set that route down, like you don't want to turn that into like a six yard gain. You want to like tight turn upfield and you can get 10 to 12 off that play easy. But, you know, some guys take a wide turn. Some guys, you know, go lateral opposed to going north and south. You know, that's where coaching and, you know, players making plays on their own and stuff comes into effect. In the other route, right? I mean, if you catch the guy in stride and he can catch it without having to slow down or whatever and just, you know, like you said, make that turn upfield. I mean, it's hard for a defender to to get an angle and the, and try to come in and make a play. Oh yeah, that dude's going full speed. And I mean, you got to think you're a DB. You're you're not stationary, but you're not moving at full speed by any means. Especially at DB or corner, you're kind of letting the 
you're getting to your landmark and your depth, but you're letting the play develop in front of you so you can react and make a play off of it. So, I mean, if we get it, like you said, John, boom, boom, real quick, right out to him on the run like that, yeah, it's going to be hard for that corner, defensive back, outside linebacker, whoever, to make, you know, the change of direction to go make that play. That's why, you know, you probably see a safety makes play at 10 to 12 if he does make that tight turn to get upfield. Thing about Jeff Brom is there's just so much um, unique creation and so many unique twists to to different play calls and so many um, just from a from a football from a quarterback first of all but from just a football offensive savant. I mean you, you're talking about again the weapons the quarterback it's all there for Louisville this year. Um, really interesting Brian Brom in the media availability yesterday talked about how Jack Plummer is like correcting the coaches and like he in terms of like the the football expertise and the football knowledge and the understanding of the offense like there's a guy that's been in it now it's really trying to combine that experience with the weapons and the skill level and and growth overall and and there's a lot to be excited about Uh, last thing on the offense let's talk trick plays because i was really uh fascinated i'm a trick play guy right if you throw the ball as many times as you can behind the line of scrimmage, I'm here for it. Like if we can get <laughs> trick we plays get and backflips, <laughs> we can get a a quarterback throw, like a quarterback, or a flea flicker back to the quarterback, throw it to the tight end, who throws it to the wide receiver, who laterals it back to the quarterback, and the quarterback throws it. I'm here for it, right? If we want to give the ball an offensive lineman, uh, and then he throws, it, turns around and throws it to a wide receiver, or maybe the offensive lineman throws the ball. Draw it I up, draw it up, and tweet it out. Brian said, and our alumni. Uh, meeting whatever reunion football get together they had up there that if there were any good trick plays they would take them into account now whether well, or not they would run them i think yeah. that was usually what he said they used mondays for was for like you know some bs trick plays and stuff like that see if stuff works so just you know tweet it out we'll see if we can get in there yeah i mean remember greg was a marketing guy by day play caller by night they, like, they, that's, they my have, fo- that's my football dream they have one word plays. They could just Jack could be out there. Pink seats, pink seats, pink seats. Yeah, easy yeah. check, easy check. Everybody oh, line up, no, run the play. Pretty. Can we can we pay Jack nil money to have his check down during a game be pink seats? Like I think that's like you remember how Peyton you could hear Omaha, Omaha. Like you probably just have to talk Jack. to Brian. Probably have to talk to Brian on that. Yeah. One. All right. Well, we'll we'll make that work. <laughs> Jack can have his own play call. Pink seats uh, where he just audibles, but. Take us through some of these trick plays. I know there was one in particular that you wanted to really kind of dive into, but uh, there's the the fake flea flicker. You got the the screen pass. You have the uh, the multilateral options, the the jet sweeps. I mean, take me through kind of what they can do from a trick play standpoint. Yeah, I mean, like Vince was saying, it's a little unlimited, right? I mean, it's kind of just the depths of the uh, Jeff Brom's mind, which uh, sounds like it goes pretty deep, you know, uh, but <laughs> the, the, the one I highlighted, uh, I think last week, if I remember was like the, the fake flea flicker. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched that play and it's like, all right, I've watched this play like 20 times. I, I'm still like waiting for him to just get blown up in the backfield. Right. I mean, it's like, I don't know how this works. And it's just a matter of like, okay, that, that play, if you watch the whole game, they probably ran very similar formations, you know, a few different times. And, and the defense kind of was like, all right, we know what's coming now, you know. And and then you're like, oh, we forgot. It's Jeff Brom. He's probably going to try some tricky crap here. And, and so they're just like, you know, run right past the guy who's, who's carrying the ball. My favorite screenshot of that whole uh, 
that whole video was the running back. I think he was at the first down marker and there was like two Michigan defenders who were like had their backs turned running away from him in the opposite <laughs> direction. You know? he's, like, he's like reading the names on the back of their Jersey, you know, as he's running for another 15 down the field. Um, but so that's the kind of stuff that you can get. Right. And then the inverse is like, when it doesn't work, everybody's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, that was dumb. You know? So um you know it's hard to please fans sometimes they they uh they like the the trickeration but uh if it doesn't work then it's like oh you just you know lost his five yards and blew it down they i guarantee you that whole week prior or prep that coach was like look whenever he hands it off and you see the running back take three steps forward he's turning around and he's pitching that thing to the quarterback just don't even mind the running back just go full steam ahead to the quarterback And Jeff probably threw that damn wrinkle in there. And I mean, that's the beauty of college football. That's what makes it so that's what is so awesome about having a guy like Jeff Brom on staff is like the little nuances like that. That's what we didn't get under uh Coach Satterfield. It was all, you know, year one was awesome because it was all new. Everything was new. And then 2020, 2021, 2022, everything obviously started to sour out. Yeah. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's cliche, right. But it's 11 men all doing their job. Cause you watch the O-line. I mean, they, they run that play. Like it's passing play, right. They're yep. like pass pro. And then when he stops, like he's going to pitch it. I mean, it's very, very easy for them to like look downfield and like, Hey, I can kind of sneak out here. Maybe try to get a ball. Oh, it's so tempting, John. It's so <laughs> tempting. <laughs> And, and they did their job. They stayed where they were supposed to, which helped sell it. And, you know, the, the running back gets all the credit. And, you know, fullback never gets any credit. So Thank you. Vince is going to text me after the show. Like, man, we got to have John back on. He gets it. <laughs> this, is, this is great. <laughs> right. Speaking his language. And I, I'm curious, right? You lose Braden Smith, who was the de facto second tosser. I joked last year that, like, he had three of the best passes of the season as a quarterback. And that was their go two thing with you know with whether it was two two year one and and last year it was Braden just launching the rocket I wonder who the receiver is this year who's going to catch that pass take the step back and launch the ball like there's no more Joey Gatewood but if you put him out there teams are about to be like come on man like we know what you're doing you're going straight to him he's going to throw the ball so I'm curious we're going to find this year like a prediction that is 100% going to come true there's going to be a wide receiver who you're like oh damn he can throw the football like that's cool Jacob I just realized that there might be a scenario where now I don't want this to happen by any means. We run a trick play against Kentucky. Joey Gatewood's the guy throwing the ball now, and he does throw an interception to Kentucky. How unfortunate. How unfortunate would that be? Yeah, us. yeah, like, it's one of that's like one of those things you just you you pray doesn't happen so that you don't have to throw hands, um, you know, with yeah. your UK friends. It'd be like, damn it, man! Like, come on. Of course, even I, if you win, <laughs> I, or but what's the inverse is Joey Gatewood throws a touchdown against Kentucky, and we're like, hey, what were you all doing? <laughs> yeah, what were y'all doing, freaking idiots? <laughs> but the in the Brom mind, he throws Gatewood out there, right? And everybody's like, all right, we know what's happening here. We get a fake toss to Gatewood. Turn around, hand off the jaws, and he's up the sideline. You know, yeah. See, you're yeah. much smarter than us, John. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're like golden retrievers. We're like ball, and we see it. We just run straight to it. I am actually like a golden retriever. That's why yeah. I played fullback and linebacker. Yeah, man, that's right. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break here. We'll step away. On the other side, we're going to talk some defense. Obviously, some big news this week. The first and really only big injury news 
that came out of fall camp. We'll talk about what the impact is on, on that. I really still feel confident that Louisville has the pieces. We'll talk about who those players are, what that looks like for Louisville's defense, uh, and we'll get into some other general shenanigans. Who knows what will happen here on From the Pink Seats podcast. So stick around. We will be right back. We're back on the other side from the Pink Seats podcast. If you want to interact with us, do so online, Twitter, at Pink Seats Pod, at The State of Blue. And, of course, uh, you can uh, subscribe to the show anywhere you get your shows from. We keep it moving right along here. We've got uh, our good friend, John Powell. I didn't know his last name until about an hour ago. That's the beauty of Twitter. You just It's an avatar. <laughs> I thought he was going to show up and have, like, a cardinal beak and be a bird. Like, you just never know. Oh, what you're- you should have showed up in, like, a luchador mask or like something <laughs> whatever like, your profile a big yeah like Twitter the big avatar, dj head mask yeah, yeah man, it would have been incredible but like oh shit he literally is his picture yeah. sorry uh, to disappoint him a real person yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good to know you're not ai at least <laughs> gpt has been writing these damn things for 12 years oh there it is there it is jacob you might want to bleed that one out <laughs> I'm going to make that the title so people think that, that he has been utilized. You are AI, man, if that's the case. Let's talk defense. Unfortunately, some really bad news for Louisville football. Uh, one of the guys that you don't – I mean, obviously, you never want to lose anybody to injury. But, you know, MJ Griffin goes down with – I believe they call it a leg injury, an, an extremity. They never describe what it is. It's always an extremity or a lower, lower leg, but uh, out probably – for the season uh, is what Jeff Brom uh, said this past week in his media availability. Uh, and you're talking about a guy who had the potential to be the true focal point of the back end of that defense and, and potentially NFL draft pick, potentially, you know, all ACC type of player really fits the mold of what Louisville has had historically is a hard hitting downfield, smart um, playmaking safety. And now Louisville, uh, thankfully has depth at that spot, right? If this was a few years ago and you're talking about playing walk-ons and uh, you know, guys that have no business playing safety and that can make or break your team, right? Like I know every position is super important, John, you said 11 men doing the, you know, doing their job, but if you don't have two guys that can cover the back end of your defense, right. And it's like having me playing center on your basketball team. I'm not blocking anybody's shot. I'm not intimidating anybody inside the lane. Right. I do have like a, uh, like a, a little bit of a thicker body so I can compete with the big fellas, but it's very minimal because they're like, dude, stop. I can just push you over if I want. And that's what it is. If you have safeties who can't play, who can't cover, who can't make plays, who can't read, who can't tackle. Thankfully that's not the case. So let's start with this. Can Louisville still be the defense we thought they could be without MJ Griffin? I know that's kind of an open-ended question, but can Louisville still be a top 25, top 35 defense without one of the kind of focal points of their team? Yeah, I mean, I think going into the year, if you said, like, look what the defense did last year, especially at the second level, right? And you could say, hey, look, I think we're, we still got pieces. Obviously, we lost some people, some important parts of it, but, you know, we're bringing back Brownlee, we're bringing back Riley, we got uh, Trey Franklin, who's an option, we got Griffith coming back, you know, there, there was pieces there, and then we mm-hmm. still went out and got like five transfers in the secondary. And it was like, Oh, wow. Like, is this where we really need to focus? You know, do we, should we be getting other areas? Should we be, you know, focusing more on offense and getting people? And I think that's where Brom came in and said, it's like, 
you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, like you give me some competent people, I can make the offense work, right? I can make guys make plays. Um, they don't have to be all conference level. So instead, let me go get the all conference guys on defense, right? And Storm Duck and uh, some of these other guys that they pulled in, um, especially with like Groves Killebrew, uh, who's got some great potential, Cameron Kelly. Uh, but I think, you know, it's been talked about a little bit this week by a few different people. I think the the most likely candidate to kind of step in is probably Devin Neal um, in that role. And, and so we're just guessing at this point, right? But I, I think there's enough people there, um, including, you know, Neal, who was another transfer that they brought in to, uh, to try to subside some of that. It, it hurts. I mean, there's no getting around it. it. It hurts the secondary for sure. Losing a player like that, who I think was primed to have a great season. Um, but I think they still have enough parts back there where it's like, uh, you know, we can put together two, three people and, and kind of hopefully come up with the same same number as what Griffin was going to provide on his own. I mean, look, you're talking about Louisville now goes from MJ Griffin, who, don't get me wrong, was not unproven, a proven player in the fact that he took over last year early in the season, midway through the season, and became the guy, but – you're talking about now turning to a player who was a all ACC safety in Cameron Kelly or Devin Neal, who played at Baylor and did so at a high level was, you know, figured to be in that starting conversation more so this year. And a guy who's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He's coming home. He's from Lexington. Um, only, in, you know, obviously an hour outside of Louisville, I would suspect that his family will be at every single game this year. And he's a guy that's not been talked about. So, you know, then you have Josh Minkins, right? I mean, what, that's the one thing that we tweeted from the account this past week is, you know, you lose MJ Griffin, but now that puts more of the onus on Josh Minkins, who I think is ready, you know, assuming he's healthy and can play at the level he wants to. I think the mental part is there. The understanding of what's at stake and what he needs to do is there. And I, I still feel that with Cameron Kelly, Devin Neal, and Josh Minkins, and of course you still have guys like like Gilbert Frierson who played safety at Miami is going to play more of that that star whatever linebacker rover role whatever that they, they've titled it. I'm just going to call it the card for forever. There's pieces there. There's guys that are versatile, and, and you feel confident that they can still play the way that they want. But it is a reason to be concerned because we've seen a safety go down in the past, and it really you know backfire on Louisville and, and ultimately kind of hurt them defensively. Like you guys have highlighted, I mean, we have the depth there. Uh, the big thing for me is uh, MJ was definitely going to be a vocal piece. Like you need very vocal safety to communicate everything, not just to your DBs, but to your linebackers as well. Having a little bit more of that relying on Josh Minkins now, you're going to have to have him step up in that role and kind of play more of a captain of the defense, captain of the back end. Uh, and that's I'm only saying that because I don't, know or nor have I seen these other guys play yet so that's just kind of what I'm assuming and uh it's very unfortunate and of all the positions you know you had to pick one for somebody to go down on I guess you know having safety depth was extremely nice in this instance you know uh, like you said Jacob like two or three years ago like we're in an oh shit situation where we're probably moving Rajay or Jack Fago back to safety Right, exactly. And that's not – like, you can't afford another injury now. Yeah, like, you no. can't have Josh Meekins go down. You can't have Devin Neal go – you need everyone healthy. Or else, like, you know what plagued Louisville during your era of coaching was you guys had two safeties, but you didn't have four safeties. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have five safeties. Yeah. You only had two, and if they went down, you're like, well, 
Is there anybody in the stands that can play safety? Like, is there anybody yeah. that like out on their flag football team has been good at controlling the middle of the field? Uh, and that's still on the table here. You don't want to have any more injuries because that's where you find yourself. But Louisville still has depth to where Josh Meekins can come out. You know, you have, and it's not like you're sacrificing quality or, you know, talents. Like the drop-off isn't as steep as it has been. I'm totally confident with rolling out Devin Neal and Josh Minkins or Devin Neal and Cameron Kelly. Um, and that's what's so exciting about this. Like that, th- this just hasn't existed in some of these key pieces. But another reason I feel confident the secondary is not like in this oh shit moment is because the front four. So I feel like, John, do you think that's a strength of Louisville is like you can say to Ashton, to Mason Ryger, to Popeye Williams, to Stephen Heron, to Destel, Jermaine Lolay, Ramon Purier, just go get the quarterback and you guys are going to help this defense out tremendously. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, the one final note on the safety, I think I saw was it this week Holloman was back in the building. Uh, so yeah. give yeah. some pointers out there, like <laughs> polishing off this Thorpe, you know, it's like, uh, nice. Hey guys, I learned a thing or two, but, right. um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's football one-on-one a little bit, right? Like the more pressure you can get up front, the easier it becomes for everybody back behind. Right. And so that's what they lived by last year. They, they were incredible once, uh, once Brown uh, kind of let them off the chain. Right. And said like, Hey, go get them. And, and that's where Yaya and Yassir and those guys just ate uh, every single game. And so, I mean, as a fan uh, that's, that's what we like to see, right? It's like, let them go. Like, let's go after the quarterback. Let's try to, you know, get crazy. Um, and with the new scheme and, you know, the, the Hagen English offense or uh, defense, every time I say that, it's like a, they're running a political campaign. At or something. <laughs> the, the, the Hagen English defense, you know, you've got some additional support back there in, you know, smaller but faster guys who can maybe, you know, cover some of those uh, weak, you know, uh, sends up on the front if you don't get get home and get the quarterback down. So um, that's the that's the goal ultimately, and I think they've got some dudes that can do that. Obviously, like you uh, highlighted, the uh, you know Ashton's that guy. I think he's primed to have a, another great year. Um, but I think, like always, right, it's going to be opportunities for other guys to step up when the offensive line's like, yeah, we're going to have to put two guys on this freak over here, you know, and, and so then somebody else can slide in and, and start making plays. Yeah, and I mean, that pass rush has so much in terms of depth. I mean, even more so than the secondary. I mean, we've talked about the front four being some form of Ashton, Stephen Heron, Destel, Jared Dawson, Jermaine Lolay, Ramon Purier, whatever, right? But then – we haven't even factored in Adonis J. Green, who at one point was Louisville's highest rated uh, commit in their 2023 5-0 class. And then not even talking about TJ Capers, right? This is like unprecedented territory for Louisville football to welcome in a five-star reclassification who does it the right way, damn it. Yeah, so TJ Capers isn't running anywhere because he can't play defensive tackle, right? He's not leaving because he's not a linebacker or getting carries at running back. Take notes, reclassifiers. TJ Capers is how you handle your business. Uh, I'm predicting two sacks from Capers this year. Two sacks. Well, it's an interesting conversation. We haven't talked about this. Do you burn the red shirt on him? Like, is he talented enough where you're like, I'll play him five games. I don't care, right? Players don't stay long enough anymore for you to really worry about that extra year. You know, they hit the portal more times than not. 
if I'm Jeff Brom, I'm like, dude, I'm going to play him on special teams. I'm going to play him out there on third down. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get him on the field if he's healthy. Yeah. I mean, you might as well. It's not like, it's not like quarterback where a guy like Pierce comes in and, you know, it's clear he needs to bulk up on some weight and things like that. Like TJ, although I'm sure he has a lot of high school baby fat and stuff still left on him. Cause I mean, shoot, he's probably fresh 17, right? I mean, is he seven? 17, 17 or 17, even, yeah, I don't even know how school. old the kid is, but he looks stout and he looks built and he looks like he, you know, obviously after summer workouts and stuff would be able to hold his own and, you know, in a game mm-hmm. and stuff. And I shoot, he'll be in all those developmental lifts and stuff like that on Fridays with all the rest of those freshmen halfway through the season. He won't even look like TJ Cabers that just showed up on campus. Yeah. And I mean, he, I think Jeff Brom highlighted that he might be injured or was dealing with some kind of uh, lingering injury from high school season that, um, which is interesting. It's coming to college injured as a high school junior. Uh, but, you know, they're trying to work him back and they're not going to put him out there until they absolutely feel like he can play. But I mean, you just, it speaks to the recruiting. Rehab. I mean, it kind of makes sense. If it was an injury where it's like, do I risk like, do I really risk going and playing my senior year as much as I love my friends, as much as I love, you know, high school football, we've all been there. Like it's, it's awesome and stuff. Like, do I really risk that? Or do I go and go ahead and enroll early, skip my senior year and rehab things kind of quote unquote, like a professional. Yeah. I've been to Columbus high school in Miami, but I'm assuming U of L's facilities are probably much better. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, you, you never know. I guess it's not Texas football where they're playing in like 25,000 seat stadiums in front of sold out crowds, but right. I mean, the, the access to all of that stuff is a game changer. Um, and I just, I don't know. I feels like peanut whitehead all over again. And the fact that we have a five-star defensive end, like I just, it, it's, it's crazy, man. What what world are we living in where Louisville's getting five stars? That's right, baby. <laughs> That's right. It's the Brahmin wealth of Kentucky, as they say. I, yeah. I've heard some people call it that. Um, what else? Anything else defensively that we, we could touch on? I mean, obviously, we've talked about the linebackers, and we know that there's a challenge there, that they've got to prove that, you know, that they didn't need to go out and add a, a big name or anything like that. And then, of course, you know, tackling has been persistent as a as – a, a, killer for Louisville but I mean I, I guess we feel confident right you're not going to lose games because of this defense like it's not like 2020 2019 where you're just praying my god can they score 60 because we don't know if the defense can hold I mean this there's gonna be games where Louisville does score 40 50 points but there's gonna be games where they might score 17 and this defense can help win football games that's what I was gonna ask you John is like watching Purdue football over the years a lot more than Jacob and myself you know, what's been kind of the deal with the defense with Jeff Brom? I mean, even going back to his Western Kentucky days, whenever Coach Holt was there and the defensive coordinator and he transitioned to Purdue with him, I mean, Coach Holt was always a fiery guy. It just never seemed like – never seems like it's a complete – like the offense is always on point and, you know, the defense has always seemed to be lagging behind. It never seems like a complete full football team. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's there's been bright spots for sure over the years that it was like, oh, okay, they actually the defense kept them in this football game, you know, especially when you get in some of those Big Ten like just 
nasty Big Ten games. Right? Oh, slobber knocker. Yeah, 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 yeah got yeah, to like, oh, Jeff Brown probably hates that football. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, and it's uh, and I think you can tell it's just driving him nuts, right? I mean, you're in a slugfest with Iowa, and it's you know ten three in the third quarter or whatever, right? So. I think there's things for sure that we saw from those coaching, that coaching staff that was like, oh, okay, they're, they've got some concepts here that are working. Like they're stopping some, you know, as much as it kind of gets a bad rep at times. I mean, the, the big 10 has got some nice offenses, you know, they've oh, got yeah. some stuff working for sure. And so the ability to, I, I won't say go to the extent of saying like shut them down, but to at least limit them and, and give the offense an opportunity to, Hey, we don't have to score you know, put up a 50 burger every game to try to win this one or whatever. Right. It's like, we can, you know, put up 25, 30 and, and still, you know, have a legitimate shot to pull this out. So uh, I, I think they can, I think they can do it. And I think they can build on it in, you know, pointing back to your, your previous point about capers and some of these other guys, like, I think they're already getting more talent on that side of the football than they had the last five years you know, at, at Purdue, you can point out a handful of guys that have, you know, stepped up and then eventually, you know, went pro and have had successful careers. But, but you look at overall as a team and, you know, who they're, who they're kind of been putting out and what they've been producing uh, just from a pure um, standpoint of whether you're looking at it from a ranking standpoint or recruiting or um, just, Hey, this dude's just an athlete, right? Like he can come in here and play. Um, I think they're already starting to show signs of like, Hey, we can, we can recruit a little bit better here uh, for what we're trying to do in the scheme. That's the hope. I mean, the, the thing is, is if you can uh, defensively, if you can build, I mean, they've got talent stocked up for a couple of years. I mean, they, they really have, I mean, they, the, the thing that was really good about where they came in time-wise was the defense was not where it was back. If they had taken over in 2018, 2019, uh, but there's depth there for years to come, star power to grow into and then recruiting. I mean, they've, They've brought in a ton of transfers. They brought in a ton of young guys um, still looking to kind of hit the ground running defensively in the um, recruiting this next season. But still, it's just a lot to be really encouraged about. And it, it feels like we've kind of finally gotten past that hump of that bad defensive stretch from, you know, what, 17 through 21, where you just every game. It's like, my God, so glad I was a part of the entirety of that. Yeah, so maybe it was you, man. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's the that's a common denominator across both eras is you. But um, I feel confident in your football knowledge that you weren't out there putting safeties on islands. I think you do better than that, Colin. Plays judging that, this video. I'm sure you saw it too on Twitter today of Zay Flowers and what he did to the NFL defender. Like, the fuck was B Brown thinking doing that to Josh? Like, golly, man! Like that's yeah. that's just well, stupid. You know, it's it goes to the yearly tradition, the annual tradition, the not so coveted cr- tradition of Louisville players just being completely destroyed on NFL draft tapes. Like, you could go back for years of NFL drafts, and there's a Louisville guy somewhere doing something stupid. Like, it's just it, that's what it is. It always has been. Uh, so it's a curse until so we can break that and have Louisville. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I guess, was the curse breaker. But here we yeah, are. That, you could be that guy that gets jumped over. Who's that guy? The Syracuse guy. I don't know. Could you imagine being him? Do you have that picture framed in your house? I wish. I mean, he doesn't, but I bet I wish. That's what Uh, I was asking. If you're him, do you have that picture framed in your house of you getting hurtled by one of the best football players to ever touch the field? 
I mean, anytime he Googles his name, that's the first thing that comes up. And, and like, I assume he's not playing professional football anymore. He might be. I don't know. That might be unfair of me. So his employer was like, oh, who's this guy? What happened to him? What's his career? Boom. He got hurdled. Can we hire him? I don't know. Like, that's the that's kind of life this poor fella is living now. Uh, point being, though, it's just defensively, it just seems like we've turned the page, moved forward, and there's a lot to be excited about. Last question, not offense or defense related, but it's more of a Purdue question, John. Uh, one of the things that has not been talked about this offseason, the narrative that has been controlled the most, uh, and maybe it's just no media people care enough to ask, special teams. We don't know who the punter is going to be. We don't know who the kicker is going to be. I mean, you assume Brock Travelstead is going to handle maybe both of those. I don't know. What can we glean from Jeff Brom from a special team standpoint at Purdue? Like, were they consistent kicking the football? Were they just shitty? Like, what did that look like? I feel like that's the one thing that we don't know about that could be like a sneaky cost us a game or two because we can't, you know, kick a field goal or, you know, you have this situation with Logan Lupo where the ball's going through the end zone three times in one game. Yeah, fuck that. I got to bring up old stuff. I know more Logan Lupo, man. <laughs> Catch him straight. No, I, I hadn't – we didn't coordinate this, right? I had a note about special teams because it's a concern, I mean, for me, right? I mean, it's an area where we gloss over and we don't really talk about it that much. And, you know, we got Bassett leaving to go out to primetime city and uh, and then uh, Turner leaving to go back home. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, in general, right, once again, looking back, stat nerding it up, you look at like, hey, what's the leading scorer for UofL history, right? And you see like a bunch of kickers on the list, right? Because yeah. it's like they're pretty important in putting points on the board. Like they they have to make field goals. There's going to be a lot of times where we can't get in the end zone and we got to get points. We can't come away with nothing, right? And so not having that kind of ironed down going into the season is a concern for me for sure. And on the flip side, like we're talking about with Brom taking a lot of chances and doing trick plays and, you know, this and that, like you run into a decent amount of three and outs sometimes too, right? Like where it's like, hey, we tried to run something, didn't really work, uh, tried to get it back on a second down run, not so much. And then we airmailed something on third down and now we're off the field again, right? And so it's like if if we can not have a uh, situation where we've got a punter back there that's consistently – you know, putting the ball where it needs to be, um, getting the hang time we need, you know, murdering it in, inside the 20, uh, it's going to be a problem. And it's it's one of those things where it's, you know, nobody wants to talk about it until it's staring you in the face like you brought up uh, from seasons past. You know, it's like, hey, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, and so I, I'm concerned. Look, it's one of those things that can very easily, like in the first three, four games, be like, okay, not a problem. These dudes are handling their business, right? They've, they've been prepped. Uh, Coach Maz has got them doing what they need to do or whatever, right? And it's my guy. So, uh, and, and I hope that's the case. I hope it is. But I do have concerns. I mean, we've seen it before, even with just like inconsistencies and, and field goal kicking and stuff like that, that they can come back and, and haunt you. And, and we've been spoiled. We've had some uh, incredible specialists. Uh, in no last- doubt, man decade or so that I think we just continue to overlook and, and kind of get uh creaky uh, take Jason, for granted for sure. 
Yeah. Nicole. I mean, you talk about your long snappers. Like you had three long snappers over like the course of like 14 years. Like, I mean, seriously, Grant Grant Donovan to Colin Hoba into Mitch Hall. The three of them played for, I mean, yeah. Grant played for five years. Colin played for five years. Mitch think... played for six years. So you're talking about literally, what is that? Is that 16 years of long snappers? That is insane, man. And how many like bad that... snaps did you see out of that group? You know what I mean? That's what's you really – you got to think about Mitch yeah. Hall did that thing with a broken finger one year. Yeah. Like, right. And does anybody know who shy Korchov is? Like that's the long snapper, right? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he didn't do anything to really screw up last year, but you're talking about, he's going to be snapping to Brady Hodges or Cole Hussing or these names that you're just like Nick Gonzalez. You're like, who they play for Louisville. I've never heard that name before. And I think we're going to have a point in this season. I hope it's not detrimental but there's going to be a point where Louisville fans are like, man, it would be great to have James Turner and Mark Vassett back. I like that's so underestimated in the transfer deflections this offseason. You lost your two special team stars, and you don't think that's going to impact things until, like you said, John, it's it, it's staring you in the face, and Nick Gonzalez misses an extra point that's cost you. You know, I'm sorry, Nick. I, I again, I didn't mean to do <laughs> like that. But I'm just you're the first person that came to mind uh when I was naming the names. But anyways, point being, special teams is something we don't know about. But at the same time, right, guitar Hicks could come out and just be an absolute baller of a kick returner. Or you know, Jaws could get back. I don't think Jaws is gonna be your primary returner anymore. But uh, you know, William Foles or somebody that we're not expecting just becomes a star overnight on the special teams game because they have speed, they have weapons. So. I, I will say, last thing on that on the special teams, Jacobs, is I think that some of that Brom creativity will bleed over into that special teams game, especially with you know Brom being more welcoming towards things like that, and Maslowski having you know the creative capability to draw something up like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some form of a trickery. Double, triple, quadruple, reverse on kickoff return, or you know they set up a wall on punt the old two-two where we slid him out. We had ten players on the field, nobody noticed, and slid him out there, and they kicked it right to him, and he went up the sideline. I mean, I, I assume there will be some form of trickery on that side of the ball. And you got to think if Brom's like, if we miss a couple field goals, he's just like, all right, I'm just going for it on fourth. Fuck it, I can throw it. Yeah. That and that's interesting. I mean, the Steelers are one of the NFL teams that's like really adopted going for two the majority of the time. Like, what if Jeff Brom's strategy is just like eight points is more than seven, and we just every time they're going for two? Like, that would be, be fun. drinking double I'm the beers this year. Yeah, right. You're gonna have double. <laughs> I'm gonna have heart a heart attack, attack, but you're gonna have twice the fun. Like, double <laughs> the heart attacks, twice the fun. That's how the season would go if you're doing that often. Uh, but this has been fantastic. John, thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Just like I know how it goes, the eight o'clock shuffle of trying to uh, shuff multiple kids into bed and tell them that it doesn't matter what you want to do. You want to come out here and run around and play lava. The floor is lava on the TV. No, you need to go to bed because I got to talk football. So thank you. Uh, it is great to to get to to spend some time with you, my friend. And we hope to have you back this year to talk some more football. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll just say I was a little anxious coming on because I was like, man, these guys like whip through questions super fast and they're always like they know they're on top of their stuff and then i remembered like after we started recording that i usually listen to the podcast at like 1.2 or 1.5 speed and so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Matt, I just listened to the show the other day on two like two X speed, and Matt McGavick on two X speed is something we do not need <laughs> no. ever in this lifetime, man. <laughs> we do not need a speedy giant running around here. But no, thank you for your support, man. It's it's uh it's great to have people who are advocates for us and and support us, and of course, you know. We talk about the Cardinal countdown here all the time, especially in the off season when we have nothing going on and we're just pulling topics out of hats. So we appreciate the content that you've brought. Uh, and, and of course we want fans to be able to follow you. If you're not following John, John, where can they follow you on social media? Yeah, it's at Cardinal strong. And then uh, yeah, you can find uh, the countdown and then the two minute play series. And then once the season gets started, I do a weekly Q and a session with the, upcoming opponent each week to uh all over at uh, cardchronicle.com fantastic stuff uh can't thank john enough be, sh- be sure to subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you get your shows uh from the pink seats do us a favor rate us leave us a review we appreciate it even if you hate vince let us know if you're a duke fan listening nothing to you <laughs> i don't care how Dude, fans rate vince, our show. vince will literally find you and break your knee if you leave a bad <laughs> review about him i'm if not mine doesn't break getting there <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but again support the show follow us on social media and of course check out cardchronicle.com we know you're probably already doing that you don't need us to tell you that but we will be back next week with eric mclean of the acc network talking about louisville from a national perspective i cannot wait because the last couple of years it feels like we've been in this this little bubble where no one in the national landscape is talking about us but finally louisville football is back so we will do that next week and until then go cards When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.